Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk. I am your co-host, Azure, and your other co-host, Dr. Chris. Hi, guys. Hope everyone is well and everyone's doing and having a great weekend. Yeah. How is everybody doing out there? I hope they're doing great. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm um, kind of under the weather. You don't it's sound been, that great. It's been one of those weeks where I have a little congestion probably from allergies and the crud that I see in the emergency department. There's like seven or eight different viruses running around right now. Never seems to never stop. That's all you need. Yeah. It is what it is. Part of the, part of the job. <laughs> I mean, how is everyone else feeling about summer getting closer? It was incredibly hot today. It was what, like 94 in Pennsylvania? I think it was up 95, 96. The weather I saw was like two extremes. Oh, there were my gosh. huge snowstorms in Colorado and the West, and we're getting like middle of August weather. The last time it's been this temperature was August of 21. I mean, that's the thing about Pennsylvania is it can be like super hot one day and then super cold another day. It's like two different times. We, we lost our spring already. Uh, well, I think we had a great spring, actually. It just wasn't long enough. I don't like the heat, so I'm just not off. I just need to be in air conditioning and not go outside. That's that's how I feel. Yeah, I would agree with that. Some of you are probably already in vacation mode, I'm sure, but otherwise, other all you other guys are probably like shushing me because you're thinking about oh my kids coming back from from school, they're going to be home all day, bugging me. Yeah, but it's also a good time for vacations. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure absolutely. people are planning already and thinking about the gas prices and airlines and all of those oh, things. All of it's going up. All of it's going up, guys. It's for everybody. It's it's been a little difficult. Yeah, I'm tired of seeing gas prices that are five, six dollars a gallon. I'm scared to death. I was looking at doing some traveling in the fall, and f- prices of airlines are going up. Um, it's been a bit crazy. Well, now that you said that, Doctor Chris, what are what are we talking about today? Well, I think we've kind of given some hints along the way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know. Of course, I do. I have been so excited to do an episode like this around organizing and traveling since you know the summertime is here it's coming up feels like the summer is here today for us but you know trying to be organized when you're going you know going places with your family or just your kids alone and also how to stay safe you know in case your child has an upcoming or a health problem that they might you might encounter how to address that and be prepared for that as well I think it's really important to this organization, and I'm I'm certainly not as organized as you are. Um, I've learned some tricks from you um, as we've talked about travel. Um, however, you know, I have talked to people that have had emergencies while they're away. So understanding a you know travel safety kit, having a health kit when you travel, um, and really understanding this stuff is really important and thinking about safety and how to get through TSA, how to do those things. And I think Azure will bring to the table 
really a lot of benefits to moms and dads and grandparents or anybody listening um, using her background in organization to really help. I think it'd be fantastic. I'm excited about it. And you really haven't been bugging a little bit. And it definitely is travel season. I, I'm very excited. I love, I love talking about organizing tips, guys. Uh, but these tips are, you know, not just great just for traveling for the summertime. It's just all over. But it's really going to save you a lot of time Googling and save you time working on that trial and error, especially if you're a new time or a first time parent. So it kind of gets right to the point about, hey, this is what you should kind of think about for you or your family uh, to prepare yourself. So I can't wait to get into it. Uh, number one, I'd really like to say, first of all, it's about being prepared. And I know that sounds like an obvious one. Like, yes, we know that. But like, seriously, everyone, take some time to prepare ahead of time and and don't overpack. So those kind of go like hand in hand. You may think, oh yeah, 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 I definitely agree. But once you lay everything out on your bed that you're going to be packing in your suitcase, you might end up seeing like three suitcases worth of stuff to pack. And it happens- Kind of like more- I pack. <laughs> it happens more often than not. I don't know, do you- <laughs> I, You I, seem I'm, like an I, te- I tend to be an overpacker. You, you look I like, like to be prepared. Yeah. Um, there is a downside to being overly prepared. So I, I, I'll tell you a story. So like the first time I, I went on a trip with my daughter and I was flying somewhere and I was like, yeah, I need this, 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 and this. And then I look at everything and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need like two full-size suitcases and it's just me and her going. So it was pretty crazy. I was like, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to really think about what I need to bring. Like I say need as in essentials, not like just because I feel like it. Or she would look pretty with eight different kinds of bows. Although I did pack a lot of those because they don't take up that much space. But um, (laughs) I see your face. Um, no, like, you know, counting the number of diapers and calculating and try not to go over that. Cause you know, a lot of places that you go to, you will find stores that have the essentials in case you forgot something or, or you ran out of something. So you don't need to pack the extra. Like there are usually, uh, resources available. Uh, if you forgot to bring an extra pair of shorts, if they get dirty, you know, a lot of places, you know, will have shorts to buy or you have a laundry facility you can not pack seven days worth of clothing but maybe three days and then just wash them and that really really helps cut down so um i kind of overpack anyway just because but it's definitely not to the point where it used to be when she was going you know first time going on a trip with me i was like wow i've definitely improved but i want to save you guys that time so think about the essentials with that but you've used what You've kind of used your experience yourself. You've taken what you've learned as a professional organizer and applied that to what you do now. Um, I would add, you know, certainly I've been away, I've forgotten shorts, and I've walked into the the shop at the resort in a different country, and I'm looking at the shorts, and they're three hundred dollars. You know, so certainly. Um, try to be prepared. I think that's probably the best thing from my standpoint. And yeah, I try not to overpack anymore either. Um, but I think 
I would love to hear you talk about checklists. I, yeah, that's I have, really important. I have a great checklist. I, in fact, a lot of my friends ask me to like, hey, can you give me that checklist that you have that I always see when we go away together or, you know, I see when you're packing for a trip. Um, they're like, I need that. And you kind of customize it to your liking. Um, but for the most part, what's on there is the necessities for like, you know, the average person or kid. So, uh, and I have this checklist that you can download uh, from our classes in a few weeks, or you can email us at info at blueemeraldwellness.com and I can send it to you. Uh, so we can do that. And uh, but this checklist is, is so amazing because it's just going to save you so much time. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm going to go on a trip tomorrow. I'll just pack a couple hours before or the night before, but you're forgetting a lot of things because your brain is like focused on that night. And then maybe two days later, you're like, oh, I I should have added this or I should have added that. And if you prepare ahead of time like a week and make your checklist or if you're using my checklist, um, everything's there. You don't have to stress yourself out like those last minute uh, packing and uh, packing moments where you're like really stressed thinking, do I have everything? Especially if you have like a newborn, like the worst thing is to forget something super important. Well, you're in a brain fog as, as a new mom and a new dad and trying to travel. And, you know, you talk about stress, right? And people will probably be shocked to hear this, but the emergency department, not shocked that it's stressful, but as ER physicians, we're put into a lot of situations that are not that are very unique. And one of the things emergency medicine has borrowed from the airline industry is we use checklists as well. Pilots would never take off if they didn't go through every check on their checklist. We do the same thing in the emergency department. And one of the reasons we do that is when you get stressed, it's easier to revert back to things you know that a checklist is in front of you. And it's the same thing when we travel. It's very easy to forget something and say, you know what, crap, I forgot it. If you have that checklist, you're not going to forget it. Um, so unbelievably beneficial. Oh, it helps me so many times. And I have a checklist for me and I have one just for my, my daughter too. So they have, they have separate, we have separate checklists and I change it as she gets older and as like our hobbies change. So like, you know, scuba diving, I'm like, okay, I want to have my checklist of like certain items on there that I want to take with me on certain trips or for going hiking, you know, I have certain items that I know that I want to bring and I don't have to think about it on the top of my head. I just have it written down already. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And it certainly, if you're traveling somewhere warm versus cold, it's going to vary. Exactly. I, I just, it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> um, the, the next thing I really uh, want to point out to you guys when you're traveling is, especially when you have, um, you know, a little one, traveling with infants, they fly free on most flights. So that's usually domestic flights. International, you have to check uh, for the, uh, I believe you just pay a percentage of that flight tax and um, and that's what you pay for your, your, your child under two years old. Uh, but other than that, domestic, if they're under two years of old, they're considered a lap child and they fly with you in your seat. And definitely, definitely check with the carrier. International flights, some will charge you a piece, some will charge you tax. Depends on whether you're flying business class or you're flying in um, economy, but definitely check with them. Um, every time I've had to address it, they've been great. They've worked through it and they've really helped. Absolutely. So that's something you need to look into. Um, don't just assume that every airline is the same. 
Uh, and, you know, just keep an eye on the pricing, you know, how it, it might change uh, from domestic to um, to international or airline to airline. But also on top of that, um, take advantage of boarding on the airplane first. Uh, and what I mean is, you know, they might start calling out boarding uh, groups and they might specify, they may specify parents with small children or, you know, alongside military. But what does that any- mean? Like, I, I remember them coming, with small, small children. children. I'm like, is that a two week old or is that up yep. to a four year old? And I remember my kids, you know, oh, you're four. Let's go. Let's get on that's a little a, more quickly. So that's a good point. Um, it's a good point because, you know, if you if you go up to the. Uh, is it attendant at the desk there? Um, if you go up to the, the person at the desk and you say, listen, I, I, I want to get boarded sooner because I need to get situated with my family. Yeah, small children, they might, yeah, at seven years old or something, they might go look at you and kind of go, uh. But if you don't ask, then you don't know. So always ask, even if your kid's older than two, three, four, just say, hey, I, I have a small child. I want to get situated on the airplane first. May I please board early? And a lot of the times they will say yeah if, you know, older child, but definitely they will always say yes if you're younger. So like boarding earlier really allows for that time to get you and your family situated, especially if, you know, your kid's crying or you have, your child needs to eat, you know, you need to get on that airplane, get comfortable, feed them, do what you have to do uh, before takeoff. And uh, I'll also mention, this is a really good time to add that, you know, if you are booking flights, kind of take into consideration your kids' is, uh uh, your their schedule, like their nap schedule, and maybe book an, a flight that uh, is during their nap time, or you know, uh, a certain you know, a certain time where you feel like they're most calm. This really kind of helps with their normal routine. Or, or even you know, for instance, a red eye back from California, or from the West Coast, where you know they're going to be asleep, and they know they're going to sleep. And as as adults, we've all flown on airplanes. And we all kind of cringe and we're like, oh, oh, there's the baby over in the corner. Um, you mean passengers that did like, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think really is beneficial is think about that before you get on the airplane. Um, bring some extra treats with you. Give them to the people around you. Oh, yeah. If your kid is and having a, uh, a nightmare of a time. Even beforehand. Even I've seen it done. I've watched actually friends of mine do that. And they would bring chocolate bars with them. And they would hand them out ahead of time. It's a really cool tip to get people around you. I, I'm gonna smile. You hand me a you hand me a chocolate bar, and the kid cries. Okay, I'll deal with it a little better. Yeah, right. I, oh, they were nice enough to know. be considerate and say, "Hey, exactly. I know that this might be a difficult flight." And you know, I think people really that becomes really valuable. And kids are gonna have a rough time. You know, I think we've all seen kids have a rough time, and it's challenging. It is, especially with a couple other conditions that I'll get into a little later when flying specifically. But uh, going back, you know, if you are flying or even just transitioning over to different borders, you know, maybe United States into Canada, something along those lines, um, when you're traveling, you need their documentation with you. Uh, it's great to have it with you, even if they say, oh, we're probably not going to ask or, you know, it's just great to have it because you don't want to be in a situation where you are at an airport and you need it to get through and you do not have it like a birth certificate. So if they're under two, they technically don't need, you know, um, any documents. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just, which is kind of scary at the same time. You yeah. don't really like, I, I've never actually gotten stopped through the airport to ask for my child's ID. That is like kind of scary. Like it could have been any kid. Yeah. But I always carried her birth certificate with me, not the actual birth certificate, but a copy. And um, 
But when she gets older, you know, or when she was getting older, uh, always had her passport or, you know, always had uh, copies of the passport and birth certificate in all of my luggage in case my luggage got lost, my handbag got stolen. And, um, but it's great to have that, um, especially if you're going into another country, you need to get their passport, of course. And um, I suggest if you're going to get their passport, get it as soon as possible you know, two months of age, three months of age, whatever the case may be. It always makes me laugh. And I, every time I hear that, it's a great idea. But I always remember my kids, you know, they got their passport oh. when they're a year old. <laughs> yeah, and it lasts, weird. I think they go for, it's, it's, adults are for 10 years and kids are for five. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, I'm handing them a passport of a one-year-old and they're five years old yeah, sitting there. Funny. But certainly, it is. get it. It is because the so I say this because getting it soon, sooner than later, because people keep pushing, they push it off, push it off, push it off, and then it gets to be annoying, right, when they're just a little older, but uh, when you have that vacation that you planned immediately and you don't have it. So, but the other thing is, when you get their passport for the very first time, both parents need to be present. It's a hassle. It is a big hassle. Like if you're working, or it has to be during business hours, and like one of you can only come. So you need to get a notarized letter, especially if, you know, you're a single parent or you know the main the main parent um of your child you need to get consent from the other per the other parent and it has to be notarized letter if they're not going to be present at the same time with you so it can be a big hassle uh and it does take longer than just getting a regular passport as an adult like it, it's it's so much longer and tedious so if if that's something you do you travel out of the country you should definitely get a passport sooner rather than later it's always easier to renew than it is to just get it initially i, I um, would i would also add that um it has been particularly hard for people to get passports. Um, I have a friend who is traveling with kids and never had a passport. And in the United States right now, because of COVID and the government, things are delayed. Um, so it's taking a lot longer. So definitely preparation ahead of time. Everything is taking a lot longer and, right now. So just, yeah, don't and if, assume. And if you get stuck, there are services that can do it for you. You're going to pay a lot more. But those services are fantastic. I had to do it once with travel to China, and I had my passport back in six days. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, and what those travel, what those services do is they actually bring it down to Washington, um, and they will have it fixed for you and back really, really quickly. And also, if your kids are older, you know, like a getting them a state ID if they don't have a driver's license uh, is really beneficial as well uh, because you do need an ID. And if you don't have a passport and you're just going from you know New Jersey to California or something. Uh, and you have that state ID that is really beneficial. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. And really for safety as well. You know, there's certainly trafficking that goes on. Kids are taken, so any any way you can have an ID on your child is very beneficial. And again, I just want to stress that be sure to keep lots of these copies ID. You know, whether it's a vaccine card or uh, passport, passport, any of those things. Keep one of every copy in each bag that you travel with. So mom, dad kid all has every has everyone's information just in case a bag gets lost or something happens outside of a country or in a different location and as we are talking about bags baggage i i love when i see in the airport i see little kids scooting around on these little these bags that uh that are also kind of like a scooter really they sit on them and they kind of get towed around by mom and dad I think they are super cute, super cute, and it's it, it really entertains them going through the airport, which I think is super beneficial. And it doesn't have to be just for the airport. It could be just traveling in general. But 
what I really think in the back of my mind and is super beneficial to me and a lot of people around me that I tell this tip to when they have their kids is um, they think automatically, okay, I got to get them this tiny little suitcase and their own little book bag. And although that is so amazing and that's such a great idea and kind of making it more personalized for them, I found it so much easier, especially if this is kind of your first time traveling with your kids, so much easier to pack their stuff, their items with your stuff in one suitcase and and consolidate as much as possible. You know, make the top of the suitcase theirs and make the bottom yours or make 25% of it theirs. And, and, I feel like worrying about one less bag per kid is just, it really frees up your uh, hands. It frees up, what if your kid doesn't feel like pushing or carrying their luggage anymore and now you have to take care of it. So thinking about consolidation is is a, is a really great factor to when considering about packing their things. And their clothes are generally really small and they don't really take up a lot of space. In my experience, it's always been like the diapers that take up space. Or maybe if you're you know breastfeeding or pumping and you have like extra uh, items that you're bringing with you, then that's when it kind of gets a little um, tough to try to eliminate as much as possible. But this really helps with uh, worrying about you know less is more and fewer bags to to take in through a TSA open up or um, have to worry about is just one less thing on your mind and you can enjoy your time better. So I, you comment about breastfeeding and, you know, my children are breastfed, your children were breastfed. What has been your experience with breastfeeding while traveling? And and I know that there are lots of different experiences and I've heard them. I'm just curious. Yeah. the It's funny you ask. Uh, I was just talking about this the other day with my friend. Uh <laughs> Just thinking about breastfeeding in general seems like a job in its own, like having, you know, whether you're timing it or, you know, some people are just super natural about it. Like, oh, when it, when it happens, it happens, no big deal. And that's totally fine. But I was more scheduled. I had certain times that I did certain things. And um, this is kind of going back to like... No, you're, you're <laughs> organized. This goes back to like scheduling your flights around your normal routine. So I was like, oh, okay, I am going to, you know, during my pumping schedule or my nursing schedule, because I did both in between depending on what time it was or when she was napping. Um, but yeah, it was. It's, it almost seemed like it was going to be a horrific, horrific event because... Um, I had to make sure I had enough milk with me on the plane, but how do I keep it cold and how much space am I taking up? How many, how many ounces do I bring? And you're taking liquid through TSA. Yeah, liquid through TSA. Um, uh, my advice to you, by the way, is just have it available. You know, I don't know. I don't think they do this in pre-check, but uh, TSA, like regular TSA will go through everything that's liquid. They'll, they'll swab it. And so you need to have it available on top. When you're ready, you're going through uh, going through TSA. But uh, so I mean, that's a chore in itself. Going back to you know on the plane, um, you know I just I it was I, I kept it simple, you know. But the great thing was I was prepared because I knew I I, I needed a travel pump, right? And I also liked doing different. I, I liked using different types of pumps. I liked using a suction one when I was nursing, so I collected the. Um, what do they call that? The letdown 
from the other breast while the other one's being stimulated. I know these things, no one tells you these things. Um, but, and then I used a hand pump in between so I could uh, make more when she wasn't eating. But uh, I had it all like a drawstring bag. It was perfect. I had like a little cover that rolled up tight and neat and it was all compact and I just whipped it out and it was super easy to use. But so in my experience, like the first like one, maybe like the first time it was a little bit like, oh, this is, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. But thereafter I was like, no, I know exactly what I need. I know exactly how I'm going to do this. And, uh, it, it worked out perfectly for me. It was just like easy, easy peasy going on from there. And did you bring, did you bring a power pump too? No, I mean, no, I actually, yeah, I did on certain, if they were like long trips, I brought my electric pump with me, but I left that in my bag. Sometimes people like to use them with batteries, but they are so bulky and there's so many pieces to them. Uh, I would just suggest using a hand pump just to get you through the, get you through the airport, get you through the, um, the, the flight. Avoid the pat down through TSA. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I thought, I thought it was easier for me. Um, and the milk, like, you know, I kept it in a tiny cooler and tiny containers and I laid them flat in milk bags so that they didn't take up space in plastic containers. And that was super beneficial. So I only brought like one, one actual, um, plastic container and I, the rest of the milk was in baggies so I can pour it into the container and then wash it. And did you ever have trouble with people? Like I go through and I certainly didn't breastfeed. You know, I see the pods that are available in many of the major airports for breastfeeding. Did you ever use them? I didn't. Um, Did you have people giving you a hassle? Um, I've heard stories of women that are breastfeeding, having people, you know, look down on them. Absolutely. I've had a family member look down on me from, you know, breastfeeding in public. And that's, some people just feel that way. But I felt, you know, I'm nursing my child. This is a normal, natural thing. And I should be able to do this anywhere. And I did, you know, have some uh, coverage so that she felt like she was kind of in her own space and people weren't looking at her um, being invasive. But uh, I just, you know, at the chair in the airport or, you know, hanging out. Yeah, walking around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... When you did driving trips, how did you deal with that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah, that is definitely, uh, I know we're kind of going off on a tangent here now on breastfeeding. But it's still traveling. But, and I want to mention to you guys who are not nursing, this is the same thing with formula because it has to stay cold if you pre-make it. It has to stay cold. It has to be stored somewhere, right? Um, so it works kind of the same way and I, I totally suggest pre-making formula in advance on like a flight and putting doing the same method method putting it in a bag and then pouring it into maybe a bottle or some container and uh, giving it to them that way so you're you're not doing it on the plane mixing it on the plane or worrying about it going bad or any of those hassles um but going back to driving um and this is kind of one of my other points i was going to discuss later on is that um there were times where i was like okay i definitely need to either nurse or pump right now and uh I pulled off to a, uh, a rest stop and I just, you know, 20 minutes, done, get back on the road. And that's what you have to do. And I want to advise that stopping on the side of the road is I, a big I, no-no. I'm going to more than advise. Yeah, Dr. Chris, and, he is going to. I've seen accidents where babies have been in the front seat breastfeeding. And unfortunately, they become a human airbag. 
and you know they've gotten an accident while they're breastfeeding so you absolutely there have to be backseat of the car um, if you're going to do it and someone else is driving um, or stop it'll certainly slow you down if you're taking a, a summer trip by car uh, but definitely i've you never want a kid in the front seat um, and i've seen it happen unfortunately more than once yeah uh so i always you know pulled over into a rest stop or a very safe like a, like a, a parking lot to a, a restaurant or something along those lines somewhere safe not the side of the road and uh you know I either did it at the location outside if it was a nice day or you know in the back seat of the car while I was parked and away from other people and drivers so that was it again it is a little bit of a hindrance but it's kind of something you have to accept when you're a new parent. You have a, a young baby that needs feeding. And this goes for, again, formula feeding too. You have to stop sometimes and just feed them. Um, and this, it, it, it does cut back on your time in driving, but it's definitely really worth pulling over and doing it at a safe location rather than while you're driving or on the side of the road. But going back to the original point is that, you know, their items and your items, uh, just pack them, consolidate them, consolidate them together as much as you can that really really helps just getting in and out of any travel situation car air you know bus it just makes it a lot easier when you're worrying about fewer items the next one is kind of big on my mind and i want to kind of direct this to you dr chris what about children because i've had experiences personally what about children that you know you're going to a different country and travel vaccines and what are your thoughts about that uh, certainly vaccines are a touchy subject and it's something that you want to use a couple different resources and the first resource you can go to is cdc.gov which is the center for disease control and you can bring up any country uh, so you're going to asia you can bring the country up and where you're traveling and they'll give you guidance of what you possibly will need Many pediatricians will be comfortable with it, some will not. There are travel services that you can use that are doctors that just deal with travel. Sometimes it's a little touchy with kids, so you may need to involve your pediatrician. Um, but many, most vaccines you don't have to have. Um, they're recommended depending on how long you're gonna be there, where you're gonna be in the country. There are certain vaccines um, that may be mandatory, for instance, yellow fever if you're gonna be in a certain country for a long period of time. Um, the other thing to talk about is medications. And um, we're gonna talk more about that in your travel safety kit and your travel health kit. But for instance, if you're going to an area where malaria is endemic and you're gonna be there, you can really get malaria pretty quickly. So you need to have those medications prescribed. And it also goes back to that organizational thing. You need to do that way in advance. Yeah, do your homework on which country you're going to. And I mean, it might require a year ahead of time to figure out you need vaccines six months and four months and two months oh, yeah, prior absolutely. to traveling. You know, and typically it's it's Africa, it's Asia, some of the in India, um, the Middle East, and you know, just really look at CDC.gov. There are lots of um, different services. You can Google, you know, travel vaccines, and you can go find a place to do that, both for yourself and for your children. Um, most of them have no major side effects, and the kids do really well with them. My children have done well with them when they've traveled. Yeah, I was just going to ask, have you uh, have you incorporated them into uh, 
other country travels that they had to get, receive a vaccine. Yeah, and, and what I, was it? And I personally have. What was it? Um, they were in. Were they? What were they? <clears throat> they they needed to get vaccines to go into um, Africa, and they required uh, a variety of different vaccines. And it's just things that we're not exposed to. Did you? How far did you prep in advance? Um, probably nine months to a year. Nine months. And you know we were. You want to wait. Some of it's oral. There are oral vaccines that you get, um, for instance, cholera, um, which causes really bad diarrhea. And there's other medications to think about as well if you're going to a country that's outside of the United States. So I think in addition, one of the other things that's really important, we've talked a lot about packing what to bring. I would ask Azure what not to bring. Uh, what are the things you wouldn't want to bring? And then Let's talk about your experience and your expertise around getting kids through the flight. And I'll, I'll kind of chime in as well, mm-hmm. um, some of my experience as well. But not only a flight, you know, if you're you're going on a long car ride, you know, as a kid, I used to drive to Florida every other year. That's how we got to Orlando. And, you know, we sat in the back seat and we almost killed each other in the back seat. And fortunately, I don't get motion sick, um, but lots of people do get motion sick and it can be challenging. Oh, yeah. I have a great story about motion sickness. Uh, but first thing that comes to my mind of what not to bring, uh, valuable stuffed toy, stuffed animals, or a toy that they just love so much that's irreplaceable. Unless you have copies of this said animal or toy. Uh, because it is so easy to get wrapped up in maybe your kid had a really bad flight and they're really upset and you're just like, I just need to get my stuff. And I need to get off this plane and take care of my kid or kids. And you forget, you know, Fluffy that's sitting in the seat or under the seat that was dropped, you know, 20 minutes prior. And now you don't have Fluffy anymore. Uh, You know, that's number one, probably not a good idea to bring Fluffy or get a second Fluffy just in case. Uh, The second thing that maybe you can do is I love these. They're little straps that have snaps on them and they could be used for sippy cups or toys and i love having them for toys because kids just love to throw things on the ground and air airplanes are just so disgusting so it's so well, it's well also you drop the sippy cup and it's 10 rows behind as the airplane's taking off uh that too so now it's like you know yeah 10 rows behind you um so they're amazing and they're also we we're, i'm going to list a couple other things later about uh what to bring too but that is like number one is, you know, try, try to think about things that like, hey, would we be, would my child be really sad if we had left this on the plane by accident? Uh, could I replace this? Um, don't bring, you know, expecting to watch, you know, a two hour long movie without having headphones on their head because on airplanes, you're not allowed to watch an iPad without headphones. You can't do it. They say it has to be silent. So you have to put headphones on them or they have to be, uh, you have to just, entertain them in a different way i know a lot of young kids don't like things on their ears or, or you have to in practice, their ears or in their ears so either practice ahead of time with headphones or bring something that's more silent uh, for them to be entertained with i think that's also a good tip in general is it's very loud on an airplane and it can be louder when you're closer to the wing and kids especially young babies ear protection is really really important and as kids get older as well and, and going back to, you know, Dr. Chris, you mentioned about motion sickness. I get motion sick so easily. Um, 
you know, spin me around once, twice, and I will be sick, like feeling the rest of the day almost. I'm super sensitive to it. So I was really nervous about my, you know, my child being motion sick as well as she was getting older. Um, I just remember uh, being on an airplane and seeing this child next to me in a seat with their her parents and she was vomiting. She was projectile vomiting. It was hitting the seat, literally projectile, hitting the seat, um, going down all over them. And they felt so helpless because we were actually taking off and like the pressure's different. And this child was just, you could tell there was something off with her. And I was like, I feel like she's probably getting a little motion sick. Um, and she was just vomiting and her, you know, you see her parents like struggling and, um, you know, I got out of my seat to get them a bunch of paper towels and wipes, but you know, you're technically not supposed to be moving when we're, uh, ascending. So, uh, I just was felt so badly for this family who just smelled like stomach acid now for the next three hours. Um, it's always great to talk to your pediatrician in advance saying, Hey, I'm taking my kid, whether it's a car ride or an airplane ride and say, I don't know if they get motion sick, but I would like to be prepared in case. Usually you'll, usually you'll know. And if you're certainly, if your child does and they're super sensitive, there are medications that your doctor can, can help you with to get you through that. Absolutely. So this family, (laughs) of course, after the fact knew then that their child was getting motion sick And they, you know, that was probably their first phone call after they got off the plane. But um, going back to car rides, if you're traveling by car, um, certain things to not bring, you know, with you and let them play with when they have a rear facing car seat is giving them things to play with that are maybe not attached to their car seat that they can choke on uh, because you can't see them. So you could be driving for a long time thinking they're sleeping and they could have choked on something. I, I think, Dr. Chris, you've heard stories similar to that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I, I think you have to be careful of any kid in, in the backseat and frequently checking on the child. Um, it also makes me think about the hot weather and checking on kids in the backseat and making sure you don't leave them in the backseat if you go into a rest stop or you're taking a break. Um, temperatures can rapidly go up and you can have a fatality very quickly. Um so just be careful what you give them. I also think it's really important to think about what you're feeding even your toddler um, before you get in a long car ride or before you um, get on an airplane. My daughter gets motion sick in the backseat. Um, I will never forget driving in St. Thomas and her having projectile vomit in the backseat. <laughs> and, and a good That's like me. <laughs> and, a, and a good tip for our listeners and our parents is if you have an extra diaper laying around, Use that to get the vomit. Um, put it on top of the vomit. It will suction all the vomit in, and you can just take it and throw out the diaper. It works. Yeah, it's, wonders. It's a really good tip. Absolutely. Thinking about being on an airplane or in a car, thinking about what you're bringing. Snacks, 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 and more snacks, and more snacks because a a, f- a full belly is a happy belly. Okay. Um, But this also really works when you're in an airplane, especially when you're taking off and landing because of the change pressures, the changing pressures, altitude, it, their ears are popping, you know, your ears are popping. Um, This, the swallowing action really helps them pop their ears. I'm sure Dr. Chris, you can, you know, go in more detail about. Yeah, certainly. I mean, 
you're having a change in altitude and pressure, right? You need to do some swallowing will help. Moving your jaw back and forth will help. Um, certainly there's ways that you can pop your ears using your nose as well, but that's really challenging for a kid. So And an infant, you, you know, know, they don't know how to do that. They don't know what's going on. It could give them discomfort. Yeah, potentially feeding them and them swallowing will help. Um, it's very similar to diving where you move your, your lower jaw around. It's very, it's very similar. Um, certainly kids that are old enough to chew gum, that will be very beneficial to you and it will make your life a lot easier. And especially if you're going away or coming home and they've been in the water, um, water and ears can also exacerbate the popping and the change in pressure as well. If they've gotten water in their ears, lollipops work wonders as well um, for younger kids. Certainly, safety pops if they're really, really young, um, so they don't. It's not a choking hazard. But food in general will help. Lollipops will help. Gum will help. Um, and just try to get through it. It's not going to be perfect. Every time we were about to uh, take off or land, I always just gave my, I gave my daughter just a snack. I'm like, all right, this is a snack, you know. And I start nursing her just to kind of the changing altitude until we were pretty um we were on our way you know everything was good we can get out of our seats and I was like okay we can relax now but I wanted to make sure that she had some sort of swallowing uh motions going on so that her if her ears needed to pop they could easily do that and she had no issue she had no issue that's great and I I really like the uh a couple of our a couple of these items that I'm about to mention they're in our blog go to our website go to our blog page and these are our fave you know one of our faves and um so a, a couple other things that I really like to bring when I'm you know either flying or I'm just dry, uh traveling by a uh, car is a travel pack and play a lot of places will say they have travel or sorry a regular pack and play uh and then you get there and they say, oh, well, it's not here or someone else is using it. And that's like the worst thing in the world if you have an infant. Like, where are you going to put your child? And I, I have a personal story about that. Like, I went to a hotel and I had reserved specifically a pack and play because you can reserve in advance. And I get there and it's late at night and I'm super tired. My daughter's in her car seat sleeping. She's exhausted. And the hotel says that we don't have a pack and play for you. And I look at them and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I reserve this and you're telling me that you don't have it. Oh, well, other people are using them. And I say, well, I reserved one. And they say, well, they came here before you. So I said, what's the point of reserving one if it's a first come, first serve situation? Because I came, although I, I did have the travel pack and play with me just in case, which was a freak. It was, it was, it was amazing. I was very happy that I had this. Um, but it, it was still not the point. Like I could have just not had it. But they were, they just said, oh, I don't know how to help you. And it was really unacceptable. Uh, so luckily I had this anyway, just in case. So that's, and I used that's, it. that's a really great tip. And it's, it sounds like what you're, you're saying, cause I've never experienced this is that they have a limited number of pack and place yeah, or, or cribs and they, if they are sold out or they're very busy and you get there late, they may not be available. So it's really important to have that travel pack and play with you. And it can be challenging. I mean, think about it. If you're traveling internationally or you're flying, what do you do? Um, so you may need to travel with it. Um, you may need to think about where, where you're going longer distances as well. And they can fold up so small, like a very small suitcase and they're really light. And, you know, sometimes if you are flying, it could be an added expense of just, you know, 
but uh, a very small fee, but it is worth it. And the car does not take up that much space. I took it everywhere uh, before uh, my dad had a pack and play um, permanently at his home for my daughter. I, I brought it with me every time. It was super easy and um, it kind of had a hollow cavity in it. So I would put extra items in there for traveling too. So it worked out win-win situation. So uh, that was that is like one of my top things is a travel pack and play because other pack and plays just take up so much space, so much space. And these are really easy to put together. Uh, I mentioned this in earlier uh, about breast uh, breastfeeding. Uh, travel breast pumps, the suction and the hand pump are super, super beneficial if you get into a, you know, a, a situation where, you know, electric pump dies or you're in a situation you can't use it it's just so much easier pop it into like a drawstring bag and carry it with you on your hand it's it it, it makes things a lot easier packing cubes is one of my all-time faves especially when i mentioned packing their your, your children's items with yours really segregates things keeps things super neat homes and gardens kind of like picturesque look and you know where everything is and I kind of color coat them for, you know, a, a color for her, color for me. And uh, it makes it so so easy to identify where everything is. And it you can actually pack way more in your suitcase when you use packing cubes. Because you're like individually zipping a cube and you can kind of stuff it. If you're, of course, not overpacking, guys. Um, but it really, really works well. The chest chest carrier just a child chest carrier another one of my big faves because especially when they're really little you don't want to be carrying you know anything else that you don't need to sometimes you check check a stroller at the gate totally fine but what are you doing in between then it's so much easier to kind of have them on your chest especially if that's the way you soothe your child for a nap or kind of get them to be relaxed for that flight or you know whatever trip that you're taking it really helps give you both arms to carry luggage, do what you have to do, um, or comfort your, your child. Makes it so much easier. And uh, the next one I, I really love as well is the travel first aid kit that Dr. Chris had mentioned. And I am going to kind of redirect this over to you. What do we put in our travel first aid kit? I know you mentioned medications earlier what we're bringing whether it's car air flight travel what should we bring in our travel first aid kit well i'm gonna actually punch that back to you and say talk about containers talk about containers that you would pack it in talk about how to be efficient with the container this one is a really good question thanks for asking um this kind of gets me really excited because people think oh I need to buy something or prep something. I need to go out and buy an extra container to put it in or buy something special for it, like a red bag with a white cross on it. You do not need to do that. You are more than welcome to buy that, but you do not need it. You do not need to. And I'm going to tell you two reasons why, actually. One is I'm sure you have something in your home right now that can contain it without going out and buying something. Like you don't need to buy something. Uh, Number two is sometimes they do not suit your needs when you go out and buy something and you kind of end up adapting to that bag rather than the bag adapting to your needs. So it's kind of beneficial to decide what you're bringing first and then get the container. And it could be, you know, a plastic bag. It could be something that zips ideally, uh, but 
it needs to kind of adapt to what you want to bring because if you end up stuffing it, then it doesn't work for you. Things fall, things fall out or they, they get crushed or they're leaking or you don't know what's in it because you can't see it. So make it as easy as possible. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to be easily accessible and work for you. Yeah, my experience has also been Ziploc bags work wonders in addition. And, and label always, it. And always bring them with Put you. Put stickers on it. So, you know, some of the essentials, certainly if your child is on prescription medications, they have to come with you. Um, your child has an EpiPen because they get anaphylaxis. It has to come with you. And I would recommend bringing the medication, the box that it comes in, and, the, and a copy of the prescription that the pediatrician gave you or the doctor gave you. And I kind of want to add on that. If you're bringing the box, why don't you just cut it, lay it flat so it takes up less space. Don't try to keep it contained in that box. It really, You really lose a lot of space when you do that. And I, I think it's also, you know, we talked a little bit about motion sickness, anti-vomiting medication. If your child's at risk, talk to your doctor. There's a medicine we use um, called Zofran. Um, that we use and your doctor may be comfortable giving that to you. It depends on your physician and it varies. Um, we don't give a lot, give it out a lot, but it's something that would be beneficial. Um, I would also say the other essential is always bringing Tylenol and ibuprofen. And Tylenol is also acetaminophen. Um, it's, ibuprofen is also known as Motrin and Advil, and I've seen a lot of people get confused by that. Um, Kids over three months of age can have Tylenol. Kids over six months can have Motrin or ibuprofen. Um, you should always really be talking to your pediatricians about dosages, but I've personally had issues where I've been away with my children and I didn't have Tylenol and ibuprofen and they developed fevers. My son developed croup while I was on a trip and was barking like a seal, had a fever of 103 and I didn't have any medication with me. And I had to drive around. That's very like, surprising. I just, I, I wasn't prepared and I should have been. And I think we learned from our experiences. Have Isn't you that like Dr. 101? To, to bring stuff with you. We were on a quick night away. You didn't think about it. You know, yeah. I, I will never forget. I was sitting in a hot tub at a, in a, at a hotel and I'm like, did he just bark like a dog? And we touched him and he was 103 degrees and it happened, you know, rapidly. Um, but I remember going to find it and it was outrageously expensive and, you know, trying to find it was a challenge and it changed our whole trip. If I had had it and then also had a thermometer with me and you can make these travel kits really easily. You can get thermometers you bring with you. This is probably at least a must have. Um, the other thing I would recommend is some sort of antihistamine, whether that is Benadryl or Zyrtec or Claritin. Um, you go, you get exposed to a different seasonal allergy and your kid's eyes blow up or they're having difficulty uh, with a rash. Um, really, really important to have with you. Um, so at least from my standpoint, there are a couple of the initial things that would be essential. The other things I'd recommend is a small um, tube of antibiotic ointment, bringing some Band-Aids, um, a real small roll of bandage tape. And, you know, have a tweezers with you, have some small scissors with you, and then obviously insect repellent, depending on where you're going. It varies if you're going in or out of the country, what kind of insect repellent you need. Um, always sunblock, 
Um, you'll hear me say that. We'll talk about sunblock and sunburns and burns at some point, I'm sure, on one of our episodes. Um, and then the other thing I would always bring with you is an oral rehydration packet. You can buy them. You can buy little little packets of Pedialyte. They come um, not hydrated already. You add um, some water. Um, also bring some new skin. You know, you're taking your kids to Disneyland for the first time and they're walking around with their new sneakers and they have these giant blisters. Um, I was recently traveling to see my daughter. She put on new shoes and she had blisters like I've never seen before. And new skin very much could have benefited her. And new skin is just basically a... It's, it's almost like Dermabond. It's, yeah. it's almost like well, glue that we use. Basically adhesive. It kind of covers and protects Correct. the skin, like kind of like a Band-Aid. And, and if we think about, you know, we've talked a lot about older children but if you think about younger children things that are really important is bring no suction whether it's a nose frida whether it's just a bulb suction i think you need a nose suction right now i, I do <laughs> um, certainly um, diaper rash creams really important barrier creams um, q-tips um, things that you possibly could need are really really important and all the items that i've talked about and azure's talked about you can probably stick them in a bag that's you know four inches by four inches and is tiny and you don't have any problem packing it. I was just going to mention that because to our listeners, you're listening to this list and you're going, well, how am I going to fit that into a travel size bag? The reality is uh, some things may not be small enough, especially if you have certain prescriptions, they may not be small and I get, we get that. But in a lot of cases, a lot of the things that Dr. Chris has mentioned is that you can get very tiny portion sizes of ointments and new skin and tiny tweezers, tiny scissors. You can get them all very small portions or container sizes and just leave them in this travel bag. Um, and then when you're at home, use the regular sized cortisone or other ointments and whatnot because you use them a lot more at home. Uh, but for traveling, try to get you know a very small uh, pers- uh, very small container size. I know that when I like to travel with the Tylenol and Motrin, um, I like to get the smallest bottle possible when I go, and then at home I get larger bottles to stay in the cabinets. Because really we're thinking about this as like an emergency basis. We're not using this every day when we're on a trip. Hopefully you will not, um, but it might come to a time where you need to use it. You need to have this appropriate amount in it, not just like a drop left in it. Uh, the other thing, not only having duplicates of these uh, travel items is is great for, you know, just usefulness in general and having it separated from your, uh, you know, using larger portions for daily use, but also so you don't have to remember putting it in this bag, like it's already in this bag or it's on your checklist. So you don't have to worry about going and buying a whole other tube of ointment and putting it in there. It's already there. It's already designated for your travels. One other thing I want to add as we're as we're talking about these topics is going away by yourselves as parents. You know, you've you've need a date night, need a date vacation, uh, need a, a date, date vac- It's a it's a vacation away and grandma's watching or a relative's watching your child or children. I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen kids end up in my emergency department. And it personally happened to my children and Fortunately, what I what can happen is your the grandparent is not prepared, 
And for me, it was my daughter calling me and saying, I cut my head open, daddy. And I'm like, where's, where's your grandfather? And I think he was sheepishly afraid to actually tell me what had happened. And I think they were frightened and her aunt was there as well. Um, but what you should do is you should give permission for those relatives to have the care of your child um, in case something happens to you or in case something happens while you're away. And it probably happens once, twice a month where we have a child where parents are in Putacana for a getaway for a week and their child develops their asthma. And also what's really important is to have a list of medications and really that checklist for the grandparents or whoever's taking care of your child. Um, Insurance information, what they're exactly. taking, what they need, all of that information yeah. is super important is super needed not only for them, but for in case of a doctor visit. And, and be aware that we will still try to call you. Uh, we'll call you in Potacana. And <laughs> I've done it. I've called people in Mexico. I've called them. A, what is their reaction? I want to um, know that. No, I, we generally will say, look, it's... You get a hold of them. And typically, then... grandma has already gotten a hold of oh, them. Okay. But we're trying to keep them in the loop. You know, child comes in with asthma. Grandmother's there. She doesn't know what medications. And... Grandma will text them, and then next thing you know, we're getting a call back or we're calling them. And I think most of the time we can talk them off the ledge. They're not as super concerned uh, once we've talked to them, but it's really important that we can get verbal consent from an actual guardian. Uh, grandma's not the guardian. She may be the guardian while you're away, but they're not the biological guardian, and you can't just hand that off. And in this situation, um, it was a minor injury with your daughter, right? So, um, with something that's super severe, don't they just, they pass right on through that consent? Oh, it's, there's there's implied consent. You know, if yeah. you're in an emergency, we're going to take care of your child. Um, but we can't, people don't fully understand this. It's if I take care of a child and you don't consent for me to take care of your child in a non-emergent situation, and the ER doctor is going to determine whether it's an emergency. So if your child lacerates themselves, and they have a cut. Is it an emergency? Yeah. Is it a life-threatening emergency? No. Do I have really implied consent to go stitch your child without your permission? Probably not. It's your child. You can decide what you choose to do. I can't just go pop an IV into your child if they're, you know, not super ill. So we will always get consent ahead of time, and you'd want us to do that. Absolutely. Um, it's it's really important, and we try to keep people in the loop and try to keep them. But I'll give you an example. If I have a child that comes in that's a teenager that's an overdose, and their parents are in a different state, um, you know, traveling out of town for the weekend, I, my call to them is going to be, you know, hopefully your child is stable. We're taking care of your child. I've already intervened in the following ways. Um, this is the status of your child. I need you to come home. Um, depending on how severe it is. Uh, if it's something minor and there's a grandparent or a relative there, that's something very different. But if they're super sick, we're going to tell the parent to come back. Um, and I recently had a child who, who fractured his tibia, one of the leg bones, and mom was literally had just gotten onto an airplane. And the dad was panicked because the child needed surgery. And he actually ended up calling mom and mom flew back. So I think it's important to think, but it goes back to Azure, what you talked about as an expert in organizing. It's what I think about when I'm in a stressful situation of planning ahead of time, having those documents for whoever's taking care of your child. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up is if you have questions about any of this, 
reach out to the reach out to us. We do free consultations. Um, we're also available for parent coaching. Um, it's something that we've done and we very much enjoy doing. I love it. And it's it's something that we can help, especially new parents. And we'll do it for expecting parents through first three to four months. Um, we'll do it for longer times, and we can take you through not only the organizational piece, we can take you through the the health issues, the questions, sleeping, feeding, breastfeeding. Um, is this a normal rash? And we have a variety of different packages that we can really work with you around to help you. That's great. I'm really glad you said that, Dr. Chris. I want to add one more thing off of, you know, the implied consent and whatnot. This also goes for babysitters or, you know, you have your neighbor watching your kid. Same thing for, you know, as for grandparents. We want to make sure that everyone is in the loop and knows everything that's going on with your child. So everyone, that was, and Dr. Chris, that was a lot of information. A lot of organizational tips, a lot of, you know, medical travel tips as well. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot to take in even that's just tip of the iceberg, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it, like we said, it goes back to organization, it goes back to checklists and, you know, part of this is even what we're going to get into in further episodes. We're going to have an expert in traveling with kids. You know, we're, we're experts in it. You're experts. If you have a child, we're giving you our experience, but someone who knows what resorts to pick, which are travel friendly for kids, you know, end up, at, end up at a resort. And, you know, I've seen this where I thought I was showing up and they have a kids club, but the kids club doesn't start until age five. And oh, yeah, they t- yeah, they'll, they'll let and, you in all the little secret yeah, tips and, and inf- or information. If, or if they're not potty trained and, you know, there's, there's really lots of details and we're going to bring an expert on that really does that for a living that can help us talk through that on a further episode. I'm excited. And, and I would, again, go back to if you have questions and there are topics that you want us to talk about um, or you have questions for us, please send them to us um, and check out our website at, at bloomworldwellness.com. Um, questions can be sent to info at bloomworldwellness.com as well. And to kind of go off what Dr. Chris was saying, you know, we have an entire course on travel tips and tricks just for parents. Yeah, like we, just an entire course on just traveling. We have classes for new parents, experienced parents, expecting parents for babies, how to navigate the health system, and they're all available. Um, something that we can definitely would help any parent. And I want to, again, thank everybody for listening. Please um, follow us on social media. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. And certainly um, download our podcasts. And um, if you're enjoying, you know, certainly review us and, and give us five stars. Um, I want to hope everyone does have a great travel season and enjoys their summer with their kids and isn't dreading um, their kids being home and not being off at school. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Yes. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk soon. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our mom and doc talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at WeAreKidsHealthSecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk.
The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.